Back in April, a New York Times investigation revealed that when the Israeli spyware company NSO started looking for clients to buy its Pegasus spyware, it started in Mexico. And our neighbor to the south, the report said, became an early adopter, buying the spyware back in 2011. They were going to use it to bolster their fight against the cartels. That initial sale means that Mexico has more experience, both with the promise and the perils of this new surveillance technology than any other nation on Earth. At its most basic level, spyware is malicious code, code that's designed to silently record conversations and read private messages. And while it was indeed added to Mexico's arsenal of weapons against the drug lords, it also started showing up on the phones of local activists and journalists and lawyers. It has even hit Mexican President André Manuel López Obrador's inner circle. Dice el New York Times que espiaron con el sistema Pegasus a Alejandro Encinas. Es difícil saber, pero dice... Specifically, Mexico's undersecretary for human rights, who has been digging into the alleged crimes of the Mexican military. We did a deep dive into Mexico's use of spyware before the New York Times investigation was published. And we spoke with digital rights groups who had found new, troubling evidence that the Mexican army was using spyware in a much broader way than previously understood. So, we thought, given news events, that we would give you another listen to that story we aired back in March. It's a tale about an international hack-and-leak operation, a human rights activist, and a search for truth. We'll have some new episodes of Click Here for you beginning in August. Thanks for listening. There's a kind of infamous video that started making the rounds in Mexico a few years ago. It was about a controversial shooting. And just a quick warning, you're about to hear gunfire. The footage is taken from what looks like a helmet camp, and it was first published by a Mexican newspaper. And the scene is being filmed by a soldier sitting behind a mounted gun of an army truck. He's on a dark highway in a border town called Nuevo Laredo. It's just across the Rio Grande from Laredo, Texas. The footage is grainy and a little shaky, but it clearly shows an army vehicle coming to a stop near a pickup truck. And then the soldiers inside begin to open fire. They're shooting. Someone's saying, please, please, don't don't shoot. Stop shooting, stop shooting, stop shooting. But they don't listen to him. This is Luis Fernando Garcia. He's a lawyer and the executive director of a digital rights organization in Mexico called R3D. They keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. There's no fire coming back. This is a clear, excessive use of force. They keep shooting, keep shooting. And then there's this moment where you see someone in the bed of the truck, and he's moving. And this is when they say... He's alive, he's alive. And here's where they say, kill him, kill him. The video appears to capture an extrajudicial killing by the Mexican army. And if you examined it frame by frame, other details began to emerge. Someone in the back of the truck had their hands tied, and there was also some forensic evidence about some of the victims being shot at close range. The shooting itself took place in July 2020. 
And a short time later, an Army press release provided the military's version of what took place. Saying that they were patrolling and they were attacked by a group of 20 civilians, armed civilians, and they responded to the aggression and they killed 12 drug dealers. But pretty quickly, that story started to unravel. First, Luis said, the families of three of the shooting victims reached out to a local human rights official and they told him, Hey, my son was killed here. He was not an aggressor or a drug dealer. My son was kidnapped. My son was disappeared. And information started to emerge that contradicted the official story. Then that helmet cam video we talked about before suddenly surfaced, and it seemed to corroborate the family's stories. And not long after that, Luis and his team found surveillance software on the phones of human rights officials who'd been investigating the killings. All of this seemed to point to a murderous shooting by the army and a high-tech attempt to cover it up. But then there was an unexpected twist. A hacktivist group called Guacamaya hacked into Mexico's Ministry of Defense and released millions of classified defense documents. Grupo que se llama Guacamaya. Hackers ya identificados como las Guacamayas. Mexico's Ministry of National Defense was targeted by a group of hackers known as Guacamaya. It's considered one of the largest government leaks in Mexican history. It's six terabytes of information around 40 million documents. Uh, and it's not really easy to navigate them. It was so hard to navigate that a lot of journalists got overwhelmed and just stopped digging through it. But Luis and R3D, well... We didn't. Uh, and this gave us, like, the, the missing key. A missing key that both confirmed their suspicions and made clear that something much bigger and more ominous was going on than just this one terrible incident. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. Today, a new round of Mexican high-tech surveillance revelations. As R3D and Toronto's Citizen Lab dug into documents released in that leak, they found proof that the Army had not only been involved in citizen surveillance, but had a whole secret department dedicated to it. And among the targets of that secret unit? Not just the people trying to get to the bottom of what happened during those shootings in Nuevo Laredo, but also people just in their orbits. It's not just the highest profile people that were targeted with Pegasus. It's their friends, their lovers, their softball coach. People around them who might have access to them were targeted as well. R3D and Citizen Lab released a new report about these latest revelations. And Click Here was part of a small group of journalists given early access to it. We'll tell you what they found. Stay with us. In Norway, a woman's boyfriend forgets who she is overnight. In Detroit, a man is arrested, but he was never at the crime scene. In Spain, disturbing pictures of young girls have appeared, and no one knows who's behind them. Something strange is happening. A collision between people and artificial intelligence. Discover more in The Guardian's new series, Black Box. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes, Monday and Thursdays. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily. 
from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. R3D and Citizen Lab had been investigating unauthorized surveillance in Mexico for years. And in 2017, they revealed a shocking discovery, evidence that sophisticated spyware was being deployed against ordinary citizens. They found an Israeli spyware you may have heard of, called Pegasus. It's like a spy in your pocket because it infiltrates your smartphone. It vacuums up your texts, your emails, your phone calls, everything, without you or even your service provider knowing it happened. Journalists, international investigators looking into kidnappings, the families of people killed by drug cartels, they were all targeted. And all the evidence seems to suggest that one institution had planted it, the Mexican army. Which was worrisome for all the reasons you might expect. It wasn't just because the military was spying on people, but also because in Mexico, the army's reach has been expanding. The army doesn't only control public safety. They're not only the federal police now. They control roads, customs. They build airports, refineries, trains. They have banks. They are really amassing an incredible amount of power. R3D's 2017 report with these revelations caused an uproar. It was a big scandal. It was in the front page of the New York Times. Mexico has long been known as what you might call a spyware early adopter. The Mexican government bought high-tech surveillance products like Pegasus before much of the world even knew spyware existed. And while R3D and Citizen Lab knew that Pegasus had been planted on citizens' phones, they hadn't yet been able to prove decisively who was behind it. And the Mexican president himself, Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador, denied his administration used spyware at all. Sí. Señor presidente, muchas gracias de nuevo por recibir nuestras preguntas. Soy Luis Fernando García de la Red en Defensa de los Derechos Digitales. Luis confronted him about it during a 2019 press conference. Ante esta información, ¿podría usted confirmar si el gobierno federal sigue utilizando el malware Pegasus? Could you confirm, he asked the president, if the federal government is continuing to use Pegasus spyware? López Obrador said now that there was a new administration, his administration, the days of Pegasus in Mexico were over. And then he went a step further, saying he was particularly sensitive to this because when we were in the opposition, the president said, the previous administration used it against us. We haven't purchased Pegasus spyware, he said, and we don't do things like that, he added, as a matter of principle. Y no lo hacemos por una cuestión de principios. That was the last administration, the president kept saying. Not us. The army denied any involvement as well. But then came the Guacamaya leaks and all those secret military documents. As R3D poured over them, they began to find evidence that confirmed some of their worst suspicions, that the president of Mexico and the army had been lying. 
Among other things, Luis and his team found contracts and memos that linked the Defense Department to entities known to sell Pegasus in Mexico. Just give me a second and I'll show it to you. He's pulling up one of the smoking guns. Well, the important document is this one. Luis shares his screen with me. We're looking at a Ministry of Defense memo. Buried in the small print is the name of a company that Luis has been tracking for a while, a company that's known to sell NSO's Pegasus. Comercializador Anzua, the same company that we already had strong suspicion that was the intermediary company that was being used by NSO Group to commercialize Pegasus in Mexico. The memo appears to show details of a deal between this company and the Defense Ministry, which was buying what it called a remote information monitoring system, which is just another way to describe, that's right, Pegasus. So this acknowledges that these contracts exist, how long it lasted, how much they paid for it, around, around 140 million pesos. Which is... And even more important, it provided all kinds of specific references to the contract itself. We have the number of the contract, the date of the contract, the amounts paid for the contract. So that solidify our beliefs that the army was actively trying to hide the information related uh, to this and lying to different authorities. When we come back, the contract appears to be just one of the things that the army was hiding. Any security service that starts building secret and unaccountable cells and then equipping them with powerful and secretive hacking technology is at extreme risk of that technology being abused. Stay with us. What if someone you love asks you to help them die? What would you say? This is the powerful question at the heart of the ultimate choice. The series follows the journey of Michael and his wife Anne as they grapple with his request to choose the way he wants to die. I'm Rob Cribb. And through their story, I learned a lot about my own family. I hope the show is a way to start conversations many of us want to have, but rarely do. The Ultimate Choice is out now. As Luis and his team continued to dig into those leaked documents, they ran into an acronym they'd never seen before. It appeared to be some kind of military intelligence unit. In Spanish, it's known by the initials CMI. CMI. What was CMI? We didn't know about CMI. You Google CMI, you were, you were not going to find much or anything. But in that document, it said CMI stands for Military Intelligence Center. And the more they dug, the more they realized that this was a secret unit inside the army, fully formed with all the official bureaucracy of an agency. First, we found their logo, which means Centro Militar de Inteligencia, Military Intelligence Center. That's what CMI stands for. Their motto is there, too. It reads, discretion, opportunity, and precision. As Luis read on, he started to understand what this mysterious center does. The objective of the CMI, it says, is to give to the intelligence arm of the chief of staff intelligence products generated from information obtained through closed... Um, through closed systems. Yeah, for closed systems. It's not open source intelligence. This is intercepts of communications. According to the Guacamaya documents, CMI is the group in charge of doing all that high-tech spying on citizens. That's the group that R3D had uncovered. CMI appears to be responsible for things like intercepting satellite communications or 
vacuuming up the contents of phones and those kinds of secret surveillance operations. When we spoke to him in February, Luis said it was the first time the existence of CMI had been revealed publicly. The logo and, and the objective and the mission and what they actually do has not been uncovered until now. Luis said he can't find any evidence that the unit was formally or legally established. And he thinks he knows why. The same document we were reading together spelled out that CMI needs to remain undercover in order to survive. And there's a really interesting, I'm just going to highlight this. One of the threats that they identify is that the people know that they exist and what they do. Oh, meaning they don't want people to know they exist or what they do. Exactly. Click here reached out to the military secretariat to ask about CMI and has not heard back. But it wasn't just the documents that led Luis and his team to conclude that the army was behind the surveillance. There were digital breadcrumbs supporting that, too. For the past two decades, Citizen Lab, which worked with R3D on this investigation, has been developing tools that find forensic evidence on targeted phones. Little digital clues that flag the presence of spyware like NSO's Pegasus. John Scott Railton is one of Citizen Lab's senior investigators, and he said... If you understand the mechanics behind Pegasus, it reveals a lot about who's using it. Companies like NSO have licenses with their products which limit the number of concurrent infections of devices at any given time. That means if a device is infected, for example, on a Tuesday, uh, you can't use that license for another infection at the same time on Tuesday. So what you do is you infect person A on Tuesday, then you wrap up that infection Tuesday evening. That means on Wednesday morning, you can infect someone new using that very same license. And then maybe if you want to continue to monitor person A, well, you go back and infect them again. So the count of infections as well as the timing can be really revealing in terms of understanding what's really going on and the motivations behind the surveillance. So in other words, you almost have like spyware seats. You have spyware seats. That's correct. It's called concurrent infections. And it allows NSO to earn a lot of money from their clients because it means that if you get this technology, you can't just infect a thousand people in a day unless you really want to pay for it. So what citizen lab researchers often see is security services buying lots of seats and doing a lot of infections and reinfections to maximize their licenses. We've seen an operator reinfect a device whenever that device is doing something that's particularly interesting to them, or perhaps they have it on a regular schedule to pull logs from that device. So that means when a phone is infected can provide clues as to what someone might be interested in or what they're looking for. Which brings us back to that shooting rampage captured in the video and a man named Raimundo Ramos. He was the human rights official that the families reached out to shortly after the killings happened. When R3D and Citizen Lab looked at his phone, they discovered that it had been infected with Pegasus spyware. And they could even tell when it happened, right after that controversial video was released publicly. It was reinfected again when he was talking to the media about the case. And then again when he was meeting with human rights groups and military officials. Luis had always suspected that the Army was behind those infections. The Guacamaya leak documents helped him confirm it. Okay. I'm going to share my screen, okay? Inside the Army document on Lewis's screen are details about conversations that Raimundo had with journalists. Conversations that he was having at the exact moment his phone was secretly infected with the Pegasus spyware. Conversations 
that he had exclusively on encrypted apps. This information could not have been acquired other than with an attack with a tool similar or Pegasus. No? So this document proves that it was the army who was spying on, on Raimundo and was spying on his communications because they wanted to find out his involvement or alleged involvement in the publication of the video that was creating so much headache for the army. The document goes on to then lay out a smear campaign against Raimundo, alleging that he had ties to cartels. And the implication was that they would reveal this publicly to discredit him, in hopes of also discrediting his investigation into that shady army shooting. It, it shows there's an intention to have an influence in the outcome of the internal military investigation on the military personnel that participated in these in the executions. So in other words, Luis says he thinks the army used Pegasus to keep tabs on people like Raimundo, to stay one step ahead of any investigation into the Nuevo Laredo killings. Click here spoke with two U.S. government sources familiar with the killings and Raimundo Ramos. They said they never had any evidence supporting the allegations that Raimundo was linked to the cartels. The latest revelations about Mexican human rights investigator Alejandro Encinas only raises more questions about the reach of Mexico's military intelligence operations. When asked about the spyware in a May press conference, the president said he told his friend, don't worry. I told him not to give it any importance, he said. But there's one entity the president neglected to mention, Mexico's army. This is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories from the past week. Microsoft has changed the way it validates users in response to a Chinese hacking operation. Earlier this month, the company revealed that Chinese hackers had stolen a cryptographic key that allowed them to pretend to be a regular user and slip past programs that defend the cloud. That's important because a lot of companies and government agencies have moved from having their files on servers on the premises to the cloud because it seems safer to let security experts at Microsoft or Google battle hackers in cyberspace. But now it appears hackers have found a way to skirt those high-level defenses, which allowed them to gain access to email accounts and spy on the inner workings of some two dozen organizations, including both the State Department and the Commerce Department. The U.S. National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, addressed the hack on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos just this past Sunday. This is the type of activity and behavior that we have seen from multiple foreign adversaries over multiple administrations. And in every case, we take the necessary time and rigor to be able to fully investigate what happened, who did it, and what the best response is. 
Microsoft had initially said that the Chinese hackers had exploited a token validation issue during the attack, but they didn't elaborate. The company says it's still investigating what happened. Criminals behind the Genesis Market Platform claimed on Thursday that they had sold it to an unidentified buyer. Back in April, the Department of Justice launched Operation Cookie Monster, which brought down the Genesis Market, which is a notorious hacker marketplace used to acquire compromised credentials and digital browser fingerprints. In recent weeks, there have been several posts that have advertised the site was for sale. Administrators for the site said the sale will not include current user accounts, and the marketplace didn't say who the buyer was. And finally, according to a new report from the Ukrainian Computer Emergency Response Team, or CERT-UA, a Moscow-linked hacking group known as Armageddon has been launching an unprecedented number of attacks against Ukrainian government networks. The group has been linked to at least one destructive cyber attack against an unspecified information infrastructure facility. And according to CERT-UA, Armageddon has infected thousands of government computers. Some analysts say the group was created solely to carry out attacks on Ukraine, and it's operating out of the Russian-controlled Crimea Peninsula. It takes its orders, they say, from Russia's Federal Security Service, or FSB. Dina Templerest. I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director. Will Jarvis is our producer. And Sarah Wyman is our writer-reporter. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Wolkowski. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking. And our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. And we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts, or send us an email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at clickhereshow.com. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Dina Templerest. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.